Welcome to Canine Nation. It's Sunday, April 13th, 2019. This is episode 132. Hello and welcome. This is Eric Brad. This week, we're talking about training tools. And not just tools, but that often referenced toolbox that trainers sometimes talk about. I'm sure it's come up in discussions that you've had with other dog people or dog trainers. Frequently, someone will pop up and say, well, a trainer has to be able to use any tool in their toolbox. Or, That technique is just another tool for your toolbox. And that's great, but one of the things I've learned over the past 20 years is that it's not necessarily the tool that matters, but the hand behind that tool, the person using the tool. We have to know what our tools can do, and we have to know how to use them correctly. So when it comes to working with our dogs, we can often find ourselves in situations where we end up having to cobble together some new approach from techniques and tools that we've learned in the past. The real question I have is, do we do our dogs or ourselves any service by just trying to get a result rather than learning to use the tools we know effectively? I know for myself that practice is not my favorite thing. I'd rather be out there doing the work. But taking the time to learn the principles behind the training tools that I know and learning to use those tools well have paid off in big ways in working with my own dogs. So this week's essay is about our trainer's toolbox, about how we go about selecting and learning to use the concepts and techniques that are most effective with our dogs. This is my essay, A Dog Trainer's Tools. I discovered clicker training nearly 20 years ago. I read about it in a book, and I tried to learn all I could about how it worked and how it could be applied. When I got my dog Tiramisu as a puppy, I was astonished at what this new kind of training could do. In a matter of just a few days, I had taught her several behaviors and even gotten some of them on cue. I was delighted and I couldn't wait to show everyone I could find what I had trained my 14-week-old puppy to do. These clickers are amazing, I would tell people. All I had to do was click when my dog did the behavior I wanted and reward her. And she learned. I thought that clickers were the most incredible invention ever brought to dog training. But I was wrong. You see, I'm a bit of a geek when it comes to technology and gadgets. I learn everything I can about a tool or technology, and I learn how best to use it. When I was learning about clicker training, I was actually learning about the basic principles of operant conditioning, one of the core principles in behavioral science. The clicker was just a tool that I was using to apply the scientifically proven principle that was well known in behavioral science. It wasn't the tool that was working the magic. It was the science and the person using the tool. In the almost 20 years since I first learned to use clickers as part of mark and reward training, I've seen a lot of people use them while working with their dogs. 
Many are more skilled than I am at teaching their dogs, but there are also some who succeed brilliantly at frustrating and confusing their dog with a clicker. If you don't believe me, take a look at some of the videos on YouTube tagged with clicker training. Poor timing, poor understanding of the technique and the science, or even just an inability to properly watch their dog and handle the clicker comfortably can all contribute to creating a situation where the dog has no idea what the click means or how to get the reward. One example of an incorrect use of a clicker appeared in the recent film Jurassic World. In one scene, a dinosaur trainer raises the clicker over his head in a karate-like stance and fires off a rapid click-click-click-click-click-click and then tosses food rewards in a haphazard and poorly timed fashion. Not exactly good technique, at least not good technique as I was taught to do it. So while clickers can be wonderfully precise tools in helping us teach our animals, not only is incorrect use possible, but it's surprisingly common. A tool is only as good as the person using it. Just a few weeks into my clicker training adventure with my dog Tira, I was reading about other applications of operant conditioning that used whistles, hand signals, and even voice signals in place of a clicker. The important principle was that a signal could be taught to the dog that meant that, that thing you just did, that's what earned the reward. It's a marker, a marker for the correct behavior. I found the concept so interesting that I taught my dogs to additional voice markers. Yes, and good dog. And I used those consistently with rewards so that they were nearly as effective as using a clicker. They just weren't as precise. Once again, it showed me that it was the principle, the science and not the tool itself, that was doing the work. Getting good results with mark and reward training depended on my understanding and skills to use it effectively. It was all about my timing, my observation skills, and my ability to help my dog do some version of the behavior I wanted so that I could use my marker to say, that's correct. It was an important realization for me. Over the years, I have watched many different trainers work with dogs in many different ways. Some prefer clickers, some use verbal markers, and still others use no markers at all, but are incredibly skilled at precisely delivering rewards at just the right time and in just the right way to teach the behaviors that they like. Some trainers like to use food when they train. Others use toys or play as their primary reward. Still others use life rewards, like a release from training to explore, or giving their dog access to a preferred place. There are lots of tools in a trainer's toolbox. But, just like my experience with clickers, many of those tools can be used well or they can be used poorly. The consequences of using tools badly in training with dogs doesn't usually rise to what I would call cruelty or abuse. Often, the main difficulty is that the trainer really isn't getting through to the dog. Training can take longer. The dog might not be as eager to work with that trainer. But, by and large, most trainers somehow manage. Eventually, trainers get where they want to go, and dogs eventually learn what is being asked of them. 
There are tools like markers that are great for precision, and there are other less sophisticated tools that work better for management than they do for training. Unfortunately, many trainers use what they know so long as it works well enough, and that can lead to using the wrong tool for the job at hand. Consider the leash and collar. These tools function best as a way to manage our dogs while out in public. They allow us to keep our dog from getting into something dangerous or running out into traffic where they might be harmed. Their use seems simple enough. They allow the dog a degree of freedom of movement within a radius around us, but, being connected to us, we have the ability to encourage them to come with us, away from the disgusting roadkill or the dangerous traffic. But it didn't take long for humans to realize that we could also use a leash and collar as a signaling device. A quick tug on the leash can be just annoying enough to interrupt a behavior that we would prefer our dog not be doing. Like the clickers I talked about earlier, they're fast and intuitive. Just give a little tug and the job is done. But in time, we learn to improve upon that tool and make new modifications. The choke collar is a metal chain that tightens around the dog's neck and also gives a metallic sound as it closes. The prong collar not only tightens with leash pressure, but also applies blunt metal stubs to uncomfortably increase the pressure on the dog's neck. And then there's the electronic collar, which doesn't even require a leash to operate. The electronic collar uses radio signals to trigger an electronic stimulus from a special collar around the dog's neck. Some models can provide everything from a mild vibration to extremely painful jolts of electricity. There are some very crude and imprecise tools available out there to modify our dog's behavior, but like all tools, it's important to keep in mind that it is the user more than the tool itself that is important. As the trainer, I am the one who has to look at all of my options for working with my dog. Like any good craftsman, it's important that I choose the right tool for the right job. Once I've made my choice, I have a responsibility to use that tool correctly and in the right circumstances and to use it effectively. My wife recently reminded me of a wonderful quote from dog trainer and researcher Dr. Ian Dunbar. He said, quote, To use a shock collar as an effective dog training tool, you will need 1. a thorough understanding of canine behavior, 2. a thorough understanding of learning theory, and 3. impeccable timing. If you have all three of those things, you don't need a shock collar. Unquote. Dr. Dunbar is talking about skills and knowledge. The more I learned, the more I understood about dogs, the better I became at selecting and using the right tools for the right situation to teach my dogs. Overly simple techniques and crude tools can serve their purpose, but you will never build a sports car with a hammer and nails. Not one that would be fun to drive at any rate. It's the person operating the tool, me and not the tool itself that matters. I have to understand what I'm trying to do and know enough about how to teach a dog in order to select the right tools to teach them. Just as it isn't fair of me to say that it was a clicker that trained my dog, 
It also isn't right to blame those more crude tools for badly trained dogs. We shouldn't let the dog owners off the hook. We all choose the tools we prefer to use, and we decide how much to practice using them well. If the dogs look miserable or have the misfortune to end up in a shelter because of bad behavior, it's not right to let the trainer off the hook and blame his tools. There are lots of tools we can use to teach our dogs, from clickers to clever treat dispensers to the more crude tools that I've already mentioned. All of them can be used with skill and precision or misused to cause frustration, pain, and discomfort to our dogs. It all depends on the brain behind the hand that uses them. In my own work, I strive to learn as much as I can, to be the best trainer that I can be, to learn about the latest and best tools available, and then learn to use them well. One of my personal goals is to help people learn what I have learned, that there are better, more precise tools that are more efficient and more effective than the more crude techniques and tools that I used in my own past. Learning something new can be hard. It's a slow and challenging process. I didn't learn what I know overnight, but I learned, and my dogs and my life with them is better for it. Hopefully, these podcasts can help people learn and discover new and better ways to work with their own dogs. In the meantime, I think it's wise to remember that we are the ones responsible for how we train our dogs. Don't blame the tools. There really is no excuse for bad training. If you enjoy these podcasts, why not drop by our website at caninenation.ca and you'll find dozens more to listen to. While you're at it, perhaps click on the donate button and offer us a dollar or five or whatever you'd like to give to help support the podcast and help us keep the lights on. Or you can support the podcast by spreading the word on social media or leaving us a review on iTunes. I'd love to hear feedback from you about the podcast. If you have any comments, stories, or questions, you can email me at talk to at caninenation.ca. That's talk and the number two at caninenation.ca. I look forward to your comments. Canine Nation is also on Facebook. You can find our Canine Nation page where we post information about the latest articles, podcasts, and news about Canine Nation events. We also have a discussion group, the Canine Nation Forum. It's a place to discuss the podcast, the Canine Nation essays, life with dogs, and training our dogs or just to share some information we found around the Internet. Thank you for listening. I'd appreciate it if you'd share this with the dog people in your life. I guess that's all for now. Until next time, have fun with your dogs. <laughs>